Now, I want to ask you something. Uh, have you ever taken any college classes? Maybe, maybe you're a college graduate. Maybe you got a bunch of letters after your name. I don't know. But, but if you've ever been to college at all, I guarantee you, you know what a 101 class is. Because if you're going to have basically uh, a well-rounded education, the idea is that you have to take introductory classes in multiple disciplines, right? And then you focus on your major and you take advanced classes in your major, but you take things like Psychology 101, History 101, English 101, Philosophy 101, right? Does it bring back some scary memories for some of you? That's what we did in college. They're, they're introductory classes, right? Well, the Christian life is not so different from that. In order to become a, a mature, well-rounded follower of Jesus Christ, there's some entry-level courses, if you will, that you have to take, like Prayer 101, Faith 101, uh, Bible Study 101, Generosity 101, Ministry 101. You get the picture, right? Well, today, it is my pleasure to welcome you to a class I am calling Walking on Water 101. Walking on Water 101. But before we jump into the water, let's do a little recap of this little mini-series we've been doing on storms, right? We started out in Mark chapter 4. At the end of Mark chapter 4, remember the disciples begin the afternoon um, by getting in the boat when Jesus says, let's go over to the other side. So Jesus and the disciples get into the boat, and as they're going out, a storm comes up on the Sea of Galilee that is so fierce that it freaks out these uh, seasoned fishermen who have lived on this sea the whole, their whole life, right? And they begin to panic, and they begin to cry out. They get really, really afraid, and they wake up Jesus, and they're like, hey, don't you care? Don't you care that we're perishing? Don't you care about what's happening to us? Remember? Let me just, <laughs> let me just take a, a moment to make a side note here. Don't do that. Don't assume that when life brings you storms, that means Jesus doesn't care about you. Don't assume that when you go through difficult things, that somehow Jesus has abandoned you, he doesn't care. Listen, the question of how much Jesus cares for you was settled 2,000 years ago on the cross of Calvary. Jesus left heaven so that he could die on the cross because he cares for you that much. So, so when life storms present themselves, don't ask the question, what happened? Doesn't Jesus care for me? Jesus cares. Jesus cares. The answer to what's going on in the storm is not that Jesus doesn't care. It's not that Jesus has forgotten. It's not that Jesus has lost sight of you. It's not that Jesus doesn't have the power to do anything about it. When Jesus allows you to go through a storm, he cares every bit as much. In fact, his heart breaks for your pain. So the question of Jesus caring is already settled. Anyway, Jesus gets up, right? He's been napping in the boat during the storm. They're freaking out. He gets up, speaks a word, calms the storm, and the sea becomes like glass. And the disciples get really afraid once the sea calms down because they look at each other and they basically say, who is this guy we have gotten mixed up with? What kind of power does this guy have? Even the wind and the sea obey him. 
Well, they make it to the other side. And, and when they get there, they are greeted by a guy who comes running at them out of a graveyard. And this guy is possessed by a whole legion of demons. And they're confronted by Satan in this satanic um, attack. And Jesus steps in, speaks to the demons, cast them out of the guy, and a whole bunch of pigs die that day because of that. If you haven't read it, it's in the beginning of Mark chapter 5. And, and uh, just as the wind and the waves obeyed him, the demons have to obey him. And, and then the people there become really afraid. And so they go back to the other side of the sea. And when they get there... There's a huge crowd waiting for Jesus. And just like often happens with him, the crowd is just pressing in all around him. And this guy named Jairus, he's a leader in the local Jewish synagogue. He comes up to Jesus and he says, listen, my 12-year-old daughter is so sick, I'm afraid she's going to die. Won't you please do something? I've heard you have the power to heal, Jesus. Will you come and heal my daughter? And Jesus says, yeah, I will. And they begin to walk toward Jairus' house. And the whole crowd is pressing in around him. And suddenly Jesus stops. And he looks around and he says, who touched me? (laughs) And his disciples are like, dude, everybody touched you. What are you talking about? There's a massive crowd here, don't you see? Jesus goes, somebody touched me. And they were healed. And then this woman comes and falls on her face in front of him. Knowing that she touched just the hem of his garment. And she got healed. She had been hemorrhaging blood for 12 years. And the doctors had taken all of her money but done nothing to help her. She was on her last hope. And she thought, if I just touch the hem of his garment, the power of Jesus, has the, he can heal me. And she was healed. But as they were stopping and talking to this woman, you can imagine Jairus getting nervous. I thought he was going to come and help my daughter, but now he's been interrupted. And that's when somebody showed up from Jairus' house and said, hey, don't bother the teacher anymore. Your daughter's no longer sick. She's dead. And in the brokenness of this father's heart, Jesus looks at him and says, listen, trust me. I got this. Come on, let's go to your house. And he goes to his house and they go in and Jesus just speaks to the dead girl. And he says, hey, little girl, get up. And life returns to her body and she gets up completely healed. And in every case, and we looked at all this last week, in every case, the people are astonished. Everybody's amazed. Wow, what is going on? And, and they're more than a little bit afraid. Jesus had power over nature, calm the sea. Jesus had power over Satan, he cast out the demons. Jesus had power over sickness, he healed the woman the doctors couldn't heal. And now we see that Jesus has power even over death. And the people are seeing this and they're becoming more and more afraid because what is this we're dealing with? And all of that happened in one afternoon, just a day in the life of Jesus and his boys, right? So if you're a disciple of Jesus... If you're a follower of Jesus, I have a question for you. Do you ever have days like that? (laughs) Do you ever have days that just cannot be explained aside from the miraculous? Is it normal for you to see the power of Jesus just activated in your life in amazing and astonishing ways? Is that the norm for you? Why not? 
I'm convinced that one thing that breaks the heart of God is how many Christians there are who live a ho-hum, humdrum existence. Even though they carry the banner of Jesus, they don't experience the power of Jesus in their lives on a day-by-day basis. And that's why I have invited you to join me for Walking on Water 101. You see, that day is outlined in Mark 4 and 5, the one we just recapped. It takes place very early in the ministry of Jesus. The disciples, he essentially have just met him at this point. They're just getting to know what he's all about. They really had no idea how powerful he was. They really didn't know who he was yet, and they were getting a crash course in faith with every new day that they spent with him. What about you? How long have you known Jesus? Hold that thought. We're going to come back to that later. Today, though, we're going to fast forward to a much later time in Jesus' ministry. Now we're getting much closer to the time of the cross. And, and I just want to ask you, as you think about that, um, where are you in your walk with God? Because the disciples are getting used to seeing what Jesus can do at this point. And although it never gets old to see what Jesus can do, it is astonishing when Jesus does things that only Jesus can do. So we pick up the story in Matthew chapter 14. So take your Bibles and turn to the first book of the New Testament, the book of Matthew. And we're going to be in chapter 14 of Matthew today. And while you're turning there, let me set the stage for you. Jesus has just begun the evening by astonishing this huge crowd of people, um, including his disciples that were astonished, by the way, by feeding 5,000 men plus women and children, all from five loaves and two fish. And there was a ton of leftovers. And when everyone has had enough to eat, Jesus tells his disciples to get in the boat before it gets too dark and start heading to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. Sound familiar? But this time Jesus stays behind to say goodbye to the crowds. And then he goes away to pray. So let's pick it up in Matthew chapter 14 and verse 22. Immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he sent the crowds away. After he had sent the crowds away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And when it was evening, he was there alone. After he had sent the crowds away, oh, sorry, that's verse 23. He was there alone. So now it's evening. And, and that means around 6 p.m. That's what the, the, the Hebrew word, or I mean the Greek word that is translated there means. Around 6 p.m. And, and the guys are in the boat. But Jesus has done what he so often does when he's been ministering to crowds. He now steals away to be by himself so he can have time with the Father in prayer. Now look at verse 24. But the boat was already a long distance from the land, battered by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Uh Uh-oh, this is starting to sound very familiar, isn't it? We have seen something like this before in Mark chapter 4, right? 
But this time it is different. Look at verse 25. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. The fourth watch of the night. That means that the the fourth watch is from 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. Now, they got in the boat probably sometime around 6 or 7 p.m. the night before. And it should be a relatively short trip, but the wind is blowing straight in their face. and They're trying to sail into the wind. And if you've ever done that, it ain't easy, right? And so they got in the boat maybe 8 or 10 hours before this point. And they're making very little progress because of the strong wind blowing in their face. This is another one of those huge storms that comes up on the Sea of Galilee. It's a strong wind. These are big waves battering their boat, right? This is scary stuff. Except they've already seen what Jesus can do with storms, right? They should be sleeping in the boat at this point. But this is different. This time it's the middle of the night. It's dark. They can't even see what they're dealing with. They have no way to know how close to the shore they are. They don't see the waves coming before they get hit. It's dark. And more importantly, this time, Jesus is not with them in the boat. He sent them off into this storm. But not to worry. Verse 25 tells us that Jesus came to them walking on the sea. In the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. Now, listen, I need to say this. I know this is not surprising to you. I know you've probably heard this story before, read it in your own Bibles before. I know that you know that one of the cool things Jesus can do is walk on water. But I want to ask you, put yourself in the position of these disciples. Get in the boat with them for a minute. And from their perspective, I want you to experience this situation. Because they had no idea Jesus could walk on water. They are scared. It is dark. And the storm is powerful. The very last thing they are expecting is to look out on the sea and see Jesus walking to them on top of the water. Look at verse 26. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It's a ghost! And they cried out in fear. Now, I know what you're thinking. What a bunch of wimps. How they're crying out. They think it's a ghost. You're laughing at them because they think they've seen a ghost. But remember, they're not expecting Jesus to come walking on the water. People can't walk on water. It would have to be a ghost. What else could it be? When you're scared, your mind can play tricks on you, right? You ever watch a scary movie by yourself late at night? You know what I'm talking about, right? Every shadow in the window, every creak in the house freaks you out. When I was uh, in college, I was on this uh, youth ministry staff, and there was a bunch of us college kids on this staff, and we did a staff retreat, and we went up to this camp in the mountains, and, you know, we didn't have kids to worry about. We were just hanging out together, having fellowship, and we stayed up really late uh, eating s'mores and doing all that kind of stuff, right, sitting around this fire and telling scary stories. 
Well, now it's after midnight. It is time to head back. There's girls' cabins and guys' cabins, and, and there's a path that leads, I don't know, quarter mile, half mile through the woods, and then it diverges to go to the girls' cabins on the right and the guys' cabins on the left. And so now it's, it's one o'clock in the morning, and we are walking sort of single file in the darkness of the night through the woods with our flashlights, and somebody's flashlight hits on something over there in the trees. And I am not lying to you when I tell you there was a seven foot tall dude standing in the trees. I say it was a dude. We just flashed the light on him. It, it looked like a ghost. It was just white in the shape of a man with like a red belt around him in the middle. And somebody saw, we all saw it. Somebody screamed and we took off running. I have no idea if those girls ever made it back to their cabins because I left them in the dust. I was gone because I saw a ghost in the forest after sitting there telling ghost stories all night. Well, in the morning we got up and went and investigated. It turned out to be a seven foot tall plywood bowling pin that was propped up in the trees. It was a prop they'd used for some youth camp game at some point, And they just thought it'd be funny to stick it out in the trees and let it freak people out. See, <laughs> you can laugh at me for being so afraid of what I saw in the woods. But I'll tell you this, seven foot plywood bowling pins are not in the woods. So what would you think it was? That's what was happening to these guys. They're freaking out. Some people like thrills and some people don't like thrills. Are you a roller coaster person? You like to ride a roller coaster? Or are you the kind of person who doesn't want any part of roller coasters? Because as far as I know, there's only two types. There's no people that kind of shrug their shoulders. God, I like a roller coaster now and then. Most people either love it or they hate it, right? The other, I guess, this is the time last year, I guess, right before COVID hit, uh, Garrett and Christy and I went together to... Universal Studios. And the, one of the most fun things that's ever happened in my life happened while we were there. We rode the mummy ride. Now, Garrett and I are roller coaster people and Christy is not. But she went with us. And if you've ever ridden this mummy ride, it's a roller coaster inside a building with scary stuff going on. And Garrett and Christy and I are sitting across the front seat and Christy is screaming her guts out. And she is freaking out and it finally comes to an end. And she goes, huh, huh, huh. and then it starts going backwards. And she goes, no, 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 no. And she just keeps screaming, no, no, no. And Garrett and I are laughing so hard. We're crying. We're just watching her freak out. And we are laughing and laughing and laughing because that's what loving husbands and sons do in a situation like that. See, for her, it was terrifying. For me, it was thrilling. And you know what the difference is? In the Christian life, it's a lot like a roller coaster. It's a mixture of faith and fear, right? And if you're a person who's afraid of roller coasters, let me give you a hint. Here's what you have to do. You have to remind yourself while you're standing in line, listen, it feels dangerous, but it's actually safe. People get on, they get off. They get on, they get off. People ride this all the time and nobody dies. And don't read the stories about the ones where people do die. And just remind yourself that it's going to be thrilling, but it's not actually dangerous. Because 
if you let your fear have control in life, you'll miss out on the thrill of it. But if you let your faith control your fear, you're in for the adventure of your life. There are times when things just get out of hand in life and they start to get really scary. And seeing a ghost put the disciples over the top and they cried out in fear. But somehow Peter recognized Jesus. Look at verse 27. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take courage, it is I. Do not be afraid. Peter said to him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, come. And Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came toward Jesus. How awesome is that? Peter got, I mean, I know you've heard the story, but I want you to think about it. He got out of the boat and walked on water. On water he walked. Peter, this is not Jesus the God man. This is Peter the doofus fisherman. He gets out of the boat and walks on water. You talk about a thrill. You talk about an adventure. He just started walking on water toward Jesus. Now, of course, his walk didn't last very long. Look at verse 30. But seeing the wind, he became frightened. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and took hold of him and said to him, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? I know Peter catches a lot of flack for this. Just another long line in the story of colossal blunders made by Peter, right? He took his eyes off Jesus. He started to focus on the wind and the waves and he started to sink. I know. Jesus had to reach out and save him from drowning. I know. Jesus even pointed out how little faith he had. I know. But let me ask you this. When was the last time you walked on water with Jesus? When was the last time you had the courage to trust him enough to go to where he was, no matter how scary that might have been for you? See, it's always more comfortable in the boat in fact, it's so comfortable in the safety of the boat that 11 other so-called men of faith huddled together in the boat and never even dreamed of getting out and going to where Jesus was. John Ortberg wrote a great book on this passage. It's called, If You Want to Walk on Water, You've Got to Get Out of the Boat. Guys, I've known so many Christians who say they want to live this life of adventure and miraculous power with God but all they do is huddle back where it's safe with their friends in the boat. The boat is more comfortable. The boat feels better. The boat is more familiar. Your friends are in the boat. I get it. But if you want to live where Jesus is, you have to be willing to go where Jesus goes. And where is Jesus? He is seldom in the safest, most comfortable place. He is seldom in the place that is popular with your friends. And by the way, let's not lose sight of this while we criticize Peter's lack of faith. 
Jesus didn't let him sink, right? How many times have I been afraid to get out of the boat because I thought I'm gonna sink and it'll be all over? Jesus didn't let him sink. Now, he got wet. I don't know if he got wet up to his thighs, up to his chest, up to his chin. I don't know how deep he went. But Jesus did save him, right? And another thing I want you to notice here, Peter's faith was growing. You remember what Jesus said to them back in uh, Mark chapter 4 when he calmed the first storm? He looked at them and he said, how is it that you have no faith? But here in verse 31 of um, Matthew 14, Jesus says that Peter has little faith. That's progress. Peter's growing. And walking by faith like that leads to a greater understanding of who Jesus is and how faithful he is and how much he can be trusted. Look at verse 33. And those who were in the boat, well, let's, let's go back to 32. When they got into the boat, the wind stopped. And those who were in the boat worshiped him saying, you are certainly God's son. That's the only reasonable response to what they had just witnessed. You see, the storms that Jesus brought these guys into were instruments of growth in their lives. Their faith was growing little by little and he was making them into the men they would become. And by the way, these are the same guys that just months later, Jesus used to turn the world upside down and change eternal history. How do you learn to walk on water? We well, have to be willing to trust Jesus enough to get out of the comfort zone of your boat. You have to be willing to go where he is. I know that life is full of storms. But I am here to tell you that storms are not always a bad thing in the end. The question is, how will you respond to the storms? Are you going to get out on the water and trust Jesus enough to experience his power? Or are you going to sit back, stay comfortable, and try to make sure you stay dry? Are you going to ride the roller coaster or are you going to sit on the bench and eat popcorn and watch everybody else experience the adventure? See, here's the thing. Jesus is changing the world. And he is using people who are willing to leave their comfort zone and trust him enough to take baby steps even on the water. Remember my question from earlier? How long have you known Jesus? I don't, maybe some of you are brand new to your faith. Maybe others have been walking with Jesus for 10, 20, 40, 60 years. How long have you known Jesus? Isn't it about time you got your feet wet? Isn't it about time you stepped out onto the sea to be where Jesus is and experience the adventure of trusting him? Isn't it about time you walked on water? Of course you're going to stumble. Of course you're going to get wet. But you will also be transformed into the person Jesus is trying to make you into. I know the storms are raging out there. You don't need me to tell you all the details of all the stuff that we've been going through. But come on. 
take a chance. Register for Walking on Water 101. I'll see you in class. Let's pray. God, we are so grateful that even in the storms of life, you continue to be who you are. It's not about us and our bravery and our power and our strength. It's about you and your kindness and your love and your faithfulness. Oh God, help us to trust you and help us when we're sinking to cry out, Lord, save me because I know you'll do it. But God, don't let us huddle back in the boat where it's safe. Let us get out on the water and have the adventure of a relationship with Jesus. We're trusting you for it, God. Help us so to do. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.